Welcome to the Heal and Grow Journey podcast. I'm Jennifer, your host, a mental health and wellness advocate, and a trauma survivor. This platform will be used to break the silence and create awareness around mental health in the Black community and in general for all people. My hope is that you will feel seen, heard, supported, and valued as we progress through the journey of healing and growing. Welcome back to the Heal and Grow Journey podcast. We made it through another week. Praise God. Hope all is well with everyone. This week, I wanted to talk about being a teenage mother, being a teenage mother. For those of you that aren't already aware, I am a mother of three, so I have three children. However, my eldest is currently 20 years old. So I had him when I was 19 years old. And lately, as I've been, you know, just reflecting on just different things, which you'll do, you know, on your journey of healing, I realized that, you know, there's just some stuff there regarding what I experienced as a teenage mother and just a young mother in general, you know, as time went on that I wouldn't say that I never processed it, but there was just still some stuff there that maybe was just buried. And I think that I didn't really talk about it much because it was just one of those things where you just keep it moving and you do what you got to do. But when I look back, I realize, okay, some of that stuff that I experienced definitely had an impact on me. So I really just want to talk about this because I feel like this is another topic that there's a lot of stigma around, you know, as a teenage mother, you know, there's a lot of statistics and things and people try to project what your future is going to be like or what the outcome is going to be. And um, a lot of the times it's negative. So a lot of stigma and um, people don't talk about it as much, especially if you've experienced it personally. So. That's why I wanted to just touch upon that to to kind of just, again, try to end the stigma and, and, you know, break the silence and also just tap into the conversation so that, you know, we can start breaking cycles as well. Because in some families, you know, being a teenage mother is a cycle that keeps repeating itself as well. So that was my my motivation for choosing this topic today. So like I said, so my eldest is 20 now. I had him when I was 19. So when I think back, I was asking myself, like, how did I how did I even get to that point where that actually happened? And it's interesting because I was fully educated, you know, as far as, you know, like in health class, you know, in high school or, you know, they would come and they would talk to you about, you, know, I guess, their version of sex education and things like that. I don't think it was like a lack of awareness or education. Um, And also, you know, coming from a Christian family, it was definitely not something that was approved of. The belief was that you shouldn't be, you know, having sex at all. You should be abstinent. You should wait until you get married, you know, and that's just not something that you should be involved in. So that was definitely the culture that I grew up in. 
So it's like, okay, so how do you go from that to actually having a child at 19? So when I really think back, it was just one of those situations where you're, I wouldn't say it's peer pressure, but I'll, I'll put it this way. Out of my little circle of friends back then, like in high school and stuff, I was definitely one that was, I guess, the last one in my little circle of girlfriends to even become sexually active. You know, that was not like a part of like my my life. Um, It wasn't like something that I was like indulging in like regularly or anything like that. So, you know, it was just something that kind of transpired later on. But when I look back at it, I'm like, okay, even if you come from a home where, you know, they say, you know, you wait till you get married and things like that. And you know that you're a Christian, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're around, you know, other people at school and stuff, it's like, that's what everybody's talking about. That's what everybody's talking about. That's what people are doing. And so, you know, you get curious and you want to know, oh, you know, like what, what's that's like? Because you can't really, you know, indulge in the conversations because you've not experienced it yet. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people can relate to that. Like if you think back to those days before you actually lost your virginity and all that, like you couldn't really talk about it because you hadn't experienced it. And sometimes your friends would clown you because you still hadn't done it yet. And, you know, it was just all that good stuff back then. But I definitely tried to be responsible. I remember there was a situation, I think I was like 17 And at that point, I remember going to my primary care doctor for like my regular checkup and I was able to um, to ask for birth control. And my doctor gave it to me (laughs) back then um, without my mother's consent or anything like that, without any parent consent. Apparently, like at 17, you're old enough and, and, you know, they'll provide it to you. So I thought I was, you know, being smart and all that. And I remember getting on birth control. And then later on, a relative actually found my birth control. Um, I don't know if it was like somewhere in my room. So wherever I had it. So they must have been all in my stuff now that I think about it, because it wasn't just laying out there. And someone found it. And, you know, just they threw it away. And um, there really was never a conversation like, I mean, there was a conversation like, why do you have this? And what are you doing? And, you know, I was definitely scolded. But as far as, you know, let me sit down and talk to you and, and figure out, you know, what's on your mind, like, what are you experiencing? You know, do you have questions, you know, to dig a little deeper? I definitely didn't didn't get that. I just I put that out there because I think it would have been helpful um, for sure. But it was just it's a culture thing. You know, you just they just felt like you shouldn't be doing that, period. So there's no let's talk about it. It's just, you know, don't do it, period. So (laughs) that's pretty much the background of of what I was dealing with. In my particular situation, it was like a high school sweetheart type of thing. And I say that because I think in high school, it's important that, in my opinion, that people don't get so serious um, so early on. Um, I think for me, I was definitely too serious too early, um, you know, with the boy, a young boy. And um, it's just too early in life for you to be so wrapped up into another person, you know, relationship wise, in my opinion. Um, So if I when I look back, you know, that's the only thing that I would tell my younger self, like, just live your life, 
you know, have fun, enjoy yourself and just be a kid. Like, you know, you don't got to get all serious so early. But, you know, that's that wasn't my mindset back then. So, you know, sometimes you you think, you know, more than you do and um, things happen. So I ended up having my son at 19 and um, it was one of those things where I I wouldn't say that I was shamed or anything like that, but for sure, you know, people had their opinions and, and things like that about the situation, of course. But um, for me, I was always proud of my son, you know, even though I wasn't necessarily prepared to take on the responsibility of being a parent, but I was definitely proud of him, proud to have him and definitely just adjusted very quickly to being a a nurturing mother and and just figuring out. I think that's part of being a woman. Like as soon as you become a mom, like something just kicks in and you just figure it out. (laughs) You just figure it out. So that was definitely the case for me. But I just want to talk about some of the stats because there's just so much pressure around being a mother in general, never mind a young teenage mother. I mean, it's the the pressure is just it's overwhelming. Um, The pressure that you put on yourself and the pressure that society and other people will put on you as well. But um, back then, so when I had my son, that was the year the year was 2000. And um, I feel like back then it was a little more normalized, to be honest with you, as far as, you know, young mothers are concerned, because I remember I went to two different high schools, but the first high school that I went to, I remember that they actually had a daycare in the high school because there were so many girls that were like pregnant or they already had the child and didn't have childcare. And they were um, just dropping out of high school, dropping out of high school at these alarming rates. And to try to combat that and give them a chance to still graduate, they literally um, opened up a, a daycare center in the school and it was free. I remember it was free. And I remember, you know, people taking their kids there. So I said that because I just, that was just another reminder that I feel like back in those days, like, unfortunately, it was, it was, it was more normalized. Like you saw it like on a regular basis. Um, It wasn't like anything that was few, far, rare in between. I never really felt out of place. Although I didn't have my son in high school, I had already graduated high school and all that. So I was done with that whole process. Um, But just thinking back to when I was in high school, the girls that I remember seeing that had, you know, had a child before they had even graduated. So here are some stats from the CDC. I pulled some information off of their page and I went back to like the 2000s. So here's a, a, a quote here. It says in 2002, an estimated 757,000 pregnancies among teenagers between 15 and 19 years old resulted in 425,000 live births, 215,000 induced abortions, and 117,000 fetal losses. The overall teenage pregnancy rate was estimated at 76.4% pregnancies per 1,000 females aged 15 to 19 years, which was down 10% from the year 2000, which at that point it was 84.8%. 8% per 1,000. And that was 35% lower than the peak rate 
which was in 1990. And at that point, it was 116.8% per 1,000. That is a really high number. So if you think about it, that's saying 84.8% in, in 2000. That's a lot. And, I, and that's why I was saying I feel like back then it was normalized. Like you just saw it so much. And here is like another stat, not so recent, but this one was from like 2017 so that you can kind of see some of the differences. It says in 2017, a total of 194,377 babies were born to women aged 15 to 19 years for a birth rate of 18.8% per 1,000 women in this age group. That's a, a significant decline from like the 2000s, which is good. It's not as, as normalized, um, you know, these days, I think there's definitely been a shift as far as teenage pregnancies. So here is another stat or quote, whatever you want to call it, from the CDC. It says the children of teenage mothers are more likely to have lower school achievement and to drop out of high school and have more health problems, be incarcerated at some time during adolescence, give birth as a teenager and face unemployment as a young adult. So that's a, a, a quote on the CDC's um, page. So that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the stigma and the statistics around being a teenage mother and what they think the outcome is going to be for the livelihood of your child and all that. So for me, I had all that in mind, you know, like I, I would read stuff like that and I was always like, you know what, that is not my life. That is not going to be my life. <laughs> I am not going to be a statistic. I am not going to allow that to happen. And so I had like this I wouldn't say a chip on my shoulder, but I just had I was on a mission to just prove people wrong. Like, yeah, you know, I'm in this situation, but that's not the end of my life. You know, I would have people telling me like, oh, you have a baby now. Your life is going to be over. You know, like you're not going to be able to do anything like I mean, it was just so many different comments and opinions. And I'm definitely not glorifying, you know, being you know, a teenage mother, because being a mother is, is, is hard, no matter how old you are. So never mind taking that on at such a young age. So it's definitely not something that I would glorify, but the stigma and the shaming that comes along with it definitely could have an impact on your mental health and just your, your overall well-being. you know, it could cause you to, to fall into depression. If you're, if you're feeding into it and if you're not in a supportive environment, that's why I'm even, you know, addressing it because it can definitely have an impact on you. Again, you know, the the stigma is real and unfortunately, I'm sure those numbers don't lie. So those stats are real as well and you know, unfortunately, I know that there are scenarios where people end up like that and it's unfortunate, but it doesn't have to be everybody's case. You know, it's it's not a I don't like the stereotypes where people make assumptions and assume that that's going to be the outcome for everyone. That just leads me to talk about mom shaming. And I actually was recently watching a episode of Table Talk with Jada Pinkett, and they were actually talking about mom shaming on there recently. 
as I was preparing for this episode, I was like, you know, wow, this is definitely related. And I could I could just totally relate to it. So what exactly is mom shaming? And so this is how they define it. Mom shaming is simply put when a person criticizes and or degrades a mother or both parents for her parenting choices because they differ from the choices that the shamer would make. Um, This can be done privately or publicly. Mom shaming is bullying other moms for their parenting choices in subtle and sometimes not so subtle aggressions sprinkled into playgroup conversations. It's a small way for some women to gain stature among a group by tearing down others. Um, and as horrible as it sounds, it's an easy trap to fall into. I think mothers in general all could probably relate and say at some point in their motherhood journey that they've experienced mom shaming. I feel, in my opinion, like in the Black community, it's like to the 10th power. I mean, (laughs) it is so bad. And I don't know why we do this to each other, but there is just like culturally, there's like this standard that people just assume that, you know, they just hold you to this particular standard. And if you deviate from it, then people just feel very entitled to voice their opinion and comment on your choices that you're making for your life, for your child, which is really none of their business, but they just feel entitled, Um, whether it's your child's hair, how you dress them, what you're feeding them. I mean, there's just so many things that people feel entitled to comment on. But again, you know, the mom shaming, you know, really can have a negative impact on your mental health because it's bullying it's bullying and sometimes it could be gaslighting depending on what your situation is and it's just so much pressure that we experience as moms and I think that's another reason why a lot of times you know moms don't really prioritize themselves because they feel like they're not supposed to like they'll be criticized if you do and I'm gonna just break down some examples of mom shaming One is preaching to her about breastfeeding. Why did you choose formula when breastfeeding is better and cheaper? Things like that. Another would be questioning her on her baby's milestones. Like, for example, aren't you worried like your baby's not crawling yet? Or don't you think he or she should be sitting upright, etc.? Also, commenting on her choice to work or stay at home. That one is just like, you know, you're you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you're a stay-at-home mom, it's like, okay, then you may get criticized for not contributing financially to the household and helping out your spouse, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then if you are a working mom, it's like, you can work, but don't work too much. If you have to travel for work, you can't travel too much. You know, like there's just all these, these limitations that they'll put on you and you'll get criticized either way. So that's another one. Also, let's see, correcting how she parents her baby. Basically, if you just make comments and and give your advice and opinion when it's not asked for, you know, like if you like say, oh, you really should be doing it this way instead. Um, And that might sound very harmless, but, you know, depending on how you say it and if they didn't ask you for your opinion, you know, it's just, it's just delicate. It's a, it's a sensitive subject. And um, I think sometimes people overlook that. P- 
pushing your values and choices on her just because it works for you doesn't mean that it works for them. But people a lot of times like to push their choices onto you. Portraying the perfect life on Instagram. This one is interesting. I I don't really personally, I, I wouldn't categorize this as mom shaming. I think it's more so on how you interpret it. If you're on Instagram and you're you're following people that just moms that look like they have it all together and their life is perfect and their kids are perfect and everything is perfect. And if you start feeling insecure about your situation, I wouldn't blame that on the person that's posting. <laughs> I think that's more so like a you and maybe your own insecurities that you might want to work on. But, you know, the worst thing to do is is comparing. You should definitely should don't want to compare yourself to other moms or anyone for that matter. Let's see. Commenting on other moms' bodies. <sighs> That's another one. You know, as moms, sometimes you get shamed for what you look like, you know, after you give birth, during your pregnancy, um, how quickly you snap back. If you snap back at all, you know, how quickly you gain or lose weight. It's just so much, you know. And for me, like I'm someone that has always in the past struggled to gain weight. So during my pregnancies, I would always, you know, they would monitor and ensure that I gained like at least like the bare minimum. And I think it was like 35 pounds is what they, 25 to 30 pounds, I think was what was recommended for me. And I think I gained like 30 pounds with um, my two youngest and then with my oldest son. I think I only gained like 15 pounds, like seriously, the entire time I was pregnant. He was a very healthy child, but I... And I ate everything, but I honestly didn't gain any weight. So, of course, you're criticized for that. And and that's like genetic. You know, if you just have a high metabolism, like you, what can you really do? But you'll get, you know, shamed for that as well. You know, questioning her birth choice is another one. But a real stickler is criticizing how she spends her free time. This one is big because I think this one has a lot to do with how we as moms take care of ourselves or don't take care of ourselves because you might feel guilty like if you take time to prioritize yourself. I think now there's been a shift because we're recognizing more that hey, if we don't take care of take care of ourselves, then you know, we're running on e. We, you know, you can't pour from an empty uh, empty cup. So you don't really have anything to pour into your kids. So I think we're becoming more aware of that. But once upon a time, like there was a lot of shaming around if you prioritized yourself, if you were getting your hair and your nails done a lot and, you know, and your kids and you're leaving your kids at home. Um, So, for example, here's one. She sends her baby to daycare on Fridays, even though she doesn't work. Like, how could she? So. <laughs> right. So you would get criticized and shamed for, you know, taking a me day, you know, sending your child to daycare, even though you're off that day. So like you're not allowed to prioritize yourself. And so with that being said, you know, a lot of times as a mom, like you end up losing yourself, like you you lose yourself and your identity. It's so easy to lose yourself because you feel like every waking moment of your life is devoted to this child, this baby. You're you're just not even on the list anymore. And you just really lose yourself. And a lot of times moms will experience like postpartum depression after giving birth. 
And that's another layer of things that can impact your mental health, which is all the more reason why you should prioritize taking care of yourself. But um, I'm just saying all this to say that it's just a lot, you know, as moms, and we just really need to block out all of that and just shift. I, I wish our culture could just shift and we can get away from shaming one another and criticizing one another. Like you can give constructive criticism and feedback. And most likely if it's asked, you know, if you have a young mom or anyone that to just ask for advice, you can give it. But if they're not asking and you just choose to insert yourself, just be cautious on how you do it because nobody wants to feel like they're failing at at taking care of their own child. That's like the worst feeling in the world. So just just be compassionate and be empathetic if you're choosing to comment on things like that. Here are some examples on on what you can do to try to like rediscover yourself if you feel like you've kind of lost yourself in motherhood. One is take care of yourself, obviously. Another is set simple goals, schedule alone time, do something you enjoy, connect with your spouse and friends, stop the comparisons and get some extra help. Don't feel guilty if you need to, you know, get someone to come in one day and clean your house because you're just overwhelmed and you just got a lot going on and you just need some help. There's no shame in that. If you need to just make time to go out with your friends, you know, have a girl's night out or a date night with your spouse, boyfriend, whatever you have going on. There's no shame in that. You should be entitled to do that. It's necessary. Because again, when you lose yourself, then you just become miserable and unhappy and everybody around you is going to be unhappy. So it's very important that you prioritize these things and not let people shame you out of doing what's best for you. With my experience being a young mother, I was definitely on a mission to like prove people wrong. And I, I won't say that I, it was all about putting people wrong. I really was just focusing on taking care of myself and my son at the time, but I did what I had to do. You know, like I said, I had already graduated high school, so I had him like well after that, but you know, I went on to college and I got, you know, my degree and I just, you know, went on to, to fulfill a role in my career and continue to grow and just become stable and be able to provide. And I was able to do that. So definitely didn't become a statistic, but I would just say if there's any young mothers listening to this right now, don't give up. You know, I know at times it could be discouraging, but it's possible. Like you can still, you know, live your dreams, pursue your purpose and do what you have to do and be happy and have a a happy, healthy life for you and your child. Don't listen to all these statistics. They're real, but, you know, there's other outcomes. Anything is possible for sure. With all the pressure that, you know, I was under, you know, as a young mom, I definitely feel like that had an impact on my attachment style to my my oldest son. Um, And I think that's just because I didn't didn't really have an identity outside of him because I was so young. And I was just so focused on making sure that he was well taken care of. I definitely back then put myself on the back burner. I I didn't 
really prioritize myself. Um, like I'm saying now, I didn't really know that. And I think like back then in the early 2000s, it was still a lot of shaming for moms that chose to do that. So it's not until most recently that I realized, oh, yeah, no, we can't do it like this anymore. We got to we got to prioritize ourselves. So with that being said, I realized like there was just some healing that I needed to do with that. I had to just tell myself, like, you're you know, it's OK. Like you you made it. You survived. <laughs> you survived. You you can get out of the survival mode now. Now you're thriving. You're not that young mom anymore. Like you did it. And it's okay. Like you can breathe. You can relax. Like you can, yeah, just breathe. And that's really where I'm at right now. Definitely just enjoying that space and also adjusting now to what it looks like to parent a young adult. Cause like I said, he's 20 years old now and it's just different. It's you have to adjust, you know, your parenting style and give them the autonomy to do what they need to do um, and just trust and and pray that, you know, the seeds that you planted in them when they were growing up, that it'll manifest. And and you just, you got to stay in prayer for, for your kids at all times, for sure. So that's the space that I'm in today, just really adjusting, you know, the parenting style for the eldest and um, just allowing myself to enjoy the space that I'm in and knowing that you did it, like, you know, you did your due diligence, you beat the odds and all those obstacles and all those statistics, you know, you, you did what you had to do. So that's my healing journey, you know, when it comes to being a teenage mom. That is all I had for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you can relate. If you are a teenage mom or just a mom in general, I hope you find some value in what I shared with you today. All right. Well, until next time, take care. If you need to contact me, I can be reached at healandgrowjourneypodcast at gmail.com. And you can also reach me via Instagram at healandgrowjourney.